Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba. Thank you so very much. Once again, here we are. We're going to go straight to our guest, Sean Jones. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Dr. Kazumba. Yes, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, be on this platform and uh, to be able to share a, a really personal, intimate story about um, the, the beginning uh, of my journey, my faith journey, and how I came into this role as a brand director for the ministry I Am Second. Um, it really is an incredible tale of from the bottom to the top and uh, back to the bottom and back up uh, where God has called me to be. So that being said, let me get right into it. Um, our, my journey starts uh, in South Africa, as uh, uh, Dr. Kazumba had shared. Um, born and raised uh, in South Africa, grew up in a little town called East London, which is on the east coast of South Africa, um, right on the coastline, beautiful beaches. And um, yeah, I, I was raised there, uh, not a Christian uh, right in the beginning. I was uh, big into sports, big into... Um, Just like any other Africans. Yeah, eh? any other Africans uh, <laughs> played rugby, played cricket. Uh, uh, I, I played soccer for a while. I was a very good goaltender. Oh, you, you, you can make <laughs> yes. a good goalie. <laughs> a big, um, I'm a tall guy, six yeah. foot six. So. Intimidating everybody in there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anyway, go right ahead. Yes. So, yeah, man, big into my sport. And uh, I was looking for uh, an experience out of the country. You know, a lot of my friends um, took a couple years off after finishing secondary school and uh, went overseas and did something exciting and uh, that intrigued me very much. Um, that was something that I wanted to do. Um, I interviewed for a few positions as a bartender in Dubai and because uh, one of my friends had actually gone before me and told me what an amazing experience they were busy having. Um, I went in for an interview with uh, a hotel called the Crown Plaza. Now, the Crown Plaza is a five-star hotel on Sheikh Zahid Road, mm -hmm. and uh, these guys had a plan to open up a nightclub uh, in Dubai. And uh, the nightclub, the name of the nightclub was Zinc, Zinc Nightclub. And uh, this was a sort of a high-end, um, high-end nightclub uh, where they would attract sort of uh, lots of celebrities. Um, uh, lots of uh, uh, lots of the local um, crowd, the in crowd in in Dubai. Uh, the GM of the hotel, Mr. Anthony Lydia, actually came in and uh, 
hand selected all the staff to actually open up this nightclub and they interviewed about 32 different staff members wow. uh, bartenders as well as uh, restaurant staff mm -hmm. and I was one of the people interviewing and uh, it's such a funny story because I had no bar experience and uh, I had a resume that was very short because I hadn't worked a long time after school. I was big into sport and uh, pursuing um, uh, competitive sports. Uh, I played uh, rugby and basketball. Uh, basketball I actually played at a very high level. I played for my province um, for about seven years uh, mm -hmm. while I was in school. And so that was on my resume. I didn't have much else to put on there. Um, Mr. Lydia, the, the, the GM of the of the hotel who was doing the interviews noticed I didn't have any bar experience but he saw that I had a, a lengthy record for for basketball and he asked me if I was any good mm -hmm. to which I, I replied yes I think I'm okay I think I'm good and um, when he learned how tall I was he decided listen I've got a place for you you're gonna play on the hotel basketball team mm -hmm. and you're gonna come and work for us in the Crown Plaza so wow. so my journey began it began um, after this interview, uh, I was very, very excited. First time I'd ever been on an, on an airplane, first time I'd ever been out of my country. Um, I flew to Dubai. Um, we learned how to do cocktails, and I was a cocktail bartender in the evening. And I played basketball for the PBL League uh, in Dubai um, on the weekends. Uh, it was a very exciting time for me. Um, mm -hmm. This story um, actually takes me into... Uh, the next very important part of my testimony and, and, and that's what we want to hear we yes. want to hear that yes. uh, uh, because it's an interesting one so go right ahead go right ahead i'm, I'm listening uh, here i'm following along 100%. because i want our viewers to understand the impact that god can do and the holy spirit that's why i'm i'm just letting go letting you go through this because there is somebody out there mm. who are at the same level of life and I believe that the testimony you are about to share and everything that we're going to do today here will make an impact out there. So yes. go right ahead. It's very important that, um, that I express this because although at this time in my story I was not a Christian, I think God really had his hand on me at an early stage. Mm -hmm. um, I, know, I know this because he connected me with the love of my life um, my girlfriend at the time uh, whose name is Isabel Jeremy um, she was the lead singer in the band that was actually singing at my nightclub where I was bartending mm -hmm. and we struck up a, a relationship uh, uh, early after meeting her and it was romance from the beginning we, we really enjoyed each other's company um, she had a contract for three months. Um, mm -hmm. I got to know her so well in those three months. And after those three months had, had sort of expired, um, she received an extension uh, to carry on singing uh, uh, with, with her band in the nightclub for another six months. So we, we really um, had a dream start to our relationship. We dated for six months uh, together in Dubai. I was playing basketball on the weekends. Uh, in the evenings I was working in the bar where she was singing. Um, it was really incredible experience. Mm -hmm. um, shortly after that she continued with her contract. She went uh, 
she went overseas with the band and she continued uh, two further contracts outside of Dubai. Mm -hmm. um, in those six months, we had a long distance relationship. And at the end of the first year in Dubai, uh, my time was up and I returned back to South Africa. Um, upon arriving in South Africa, I had big dreams and big plans to, mm -hmm. to meet with Isabel, to introduce her to my family, and then to get down on one knee and ask her to marry me. Wow. And so that's what happened. She finished her contract with, uh, with her band. Um, she was touring all over uh, Europe and Asia. And uh, when she was done, she came, joined me in South Africa. I proposed to her over the Christmas time, the Christmas period with my family. And uh, she said yes, much to my joy. And uh, yeah, we, we got married very shortly after that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think... The important thing is getting married in South Africa. The pastor would, you know, wanted to learn a little bit about us. He was uh, needing to to make sure um, that a few of the the, the check marks uh, in order for him to marry us, uh, we had to do a marriage counseling course. And and neither of us were religious or or, or or practicing. I mean, I was raised in a Christian country, and my wife was raised in a Catholic uh, uh, environment um, mm -hmm. in in Montreal. Um, wow. We came to learn about Jesus through the early uh, interviews with, with, with this pastor, mm -hmm. who eventually became a very important uh, part of our faith journey, um, Pastor Dave Ganetsky, mm -hmm. um, from the previously known Quigney Baptist Church. Um, but anyway, he, uh, he married us eventually um, after doing our marriage course, and uh, we made a promise to him that we would, um, uh, we would start attending church on a regular basis. But this was very early, and we were not saved, we were not born again, um, and we started our relationship in South Africa. Um, after getting married, uh, this is where the story takes a little bit of a downward uh, a, a direction. It was a little bit of a difficult situation for mm -hmm. us in South Africa. Um, we got married. I went to see Home Affairs Department about extending her visa and allowing her to stay in the country with me legally. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, uh, we went to go and see Home Affairs, asked them if there's anything we need to fill out, to which we were given some faulty information. Yeah. Um, the person who helped us in the Home Affairs Department, uh, uh, Dr. Gazimba, didn't really know what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. um, she looked at our marriage certificate and she vouched that I didn't need to fill out any other forms, oh that she goodness. said um, Isabel was legal in the country, she didn't need to have another visa. Wow. So I suppose we were a little naive and uh, we didn't think anything of it because uh, a Home Affairs official told us that this was true and we carried on living our lives. Um, we had our first child mm -hmm. and um, we lived in South Africa for that next year. Um, and then things really took a downward turn because uh, Isabel had inquired about a singing contract that would be outside of South Africa mm -hmm. uh, for a short period. Mm -hmm. And we went to Home Affairs to inquire about um, paperwork needed to leave and return to, mm -hmm. to South Africa, uh, to which we found out that my wife had been in South Africa uh, illegally um, wow. without the right paperwork for a full year. My goodness. Um, this was devastating news uh, uh, to, to our family because um, uh, it, was, it was told that she would be arrested and she would be deported unless I was able to go immediately to go and buy a plane ticket and show proof 
that Isabel would be out of the country in 48 hours. Wow. Uh, so devastating to me. Um, we had a 12-month-old baby. She was still breastfeeding. Um, this was just the worst news. Uh, mm. I had to go straight away to purchase a plane ticket, come back to Home Affairs, produce the paperwork to show them uh, I will have her out of the country in 48 hours. And that happened. We, we sent Isabel back to Canada. I was stuck in South Africa with my baby, with my 12-month-old baby, and uh, kind of devastated not yeah. knowing what just happened. Wow. Um, I was super angry. I was devastated by this mistake. Uh, I was not thinking in my right mind mm -hmm. uh, at the time. I decided um, due to this terrible uh, mistake, I was angry with South Africa, with the home affairs officials. I, was, I decided, well, in that case, I'm not going to live in South Africa any longer. Mm -hmm. I decided I'm, I'm going up to Johannesburg, to Pretoria, actually, and, and I'm going to see the Canadian embassy. I'm going to apply for my visa so I can join my wife in mm -hmm. Canada, and I'll be done uh, you know, with, with this whole big mess that's happened in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so this is what I did. I, I drove up to, uh, I drove up to Pretoria. Long, long drive. Um, when when I arrived in Pretoria, set up an appointment at the Canadian Embassy, and uh, the appointment did not go very well. Unfortunately, wow. the person who I spoke to at the embassy uh, explained to me that. She didn't like the circumstances uh, that I was applying for a visa. She didn't like the fact, because I was fully disclosed that what happened with the South African mm -hmm. uh, uh, home affairs and the experience that we had with them. And I fully, I was completely truthful and, and shared this is what's happened. And mm -hmm. I think she felt like the, the, story, uh, the story didn't sit well with her and she was not going to grant me a visa to be with my wife in Canada because she simply just didn't like the fact that my wife had been caught illegally in the country for a whole year, wow. even though it was a, a mistake on the South African home affairs part. And she took that as uh, a reason not to give that She took visa. that, yeah, she took that as a reason that she didn't like, uh, uh, she didn't feel comfortable in, in, in giving me a visa to be wow. in Canada with my wife. So I was in a very difficult position uh, to which I asked her, well, how do you expect me to reunite my, my, my baby with mm -hmm. her mom? Mm -hmm. Because at that time, it had been a couple of days since Isabel had been deported. Uh, and my child, my baby, was not drinking from a bottle because she was breastfeeding before mm -hmm. uh, her mom was taken away. And I was having a very hard time. Wow. Uh, the lady from the Canadian embassy uh, to which she told me my daughter would be allowed to go to Canada, um, but not myself. So wow. she suggested that I send the baby with the airline, uh, wow. you know, back to Canada. And how old was the, was the baby? She was 12 months old. Oh my goodness. So I thought that to be very unreasonable and wow. kind of devastating because I try to explain how traumatic it was for her firstly to lose her mother. Um, and then for the airline to expect, for the embassy to expect me to send my child with the airline like a package, uh, the child would be completely traumatized a second time mm -hmm. after being separated from her father. So yeah. I just wasn't prepared to do that, uh, and I went back home to East London to deal with this new problem, uh, mm -hmm. the the problem of now being. 
completely separated from my wife and mm. not having any plan or any way of reuniting my baby with, with my wife. Wow. Uh, completely devastating. Um, upon returning to East London, uh, I got into what was to become uh, the battle of my life, uh, really. Um, mm. I was struggling to learn how to look after a baby on my own because my wife had always been uh, a, an incredible mother and, and taken care of all the motherly stuff as she would, you know, bathing, uh, uh, diaper changes, feeding mm -hmm. the baby, uh, preparing the food. Like I, I was thrust into this role of being a single parent and it was completely overwhelming. Wow. On top of this, I had to deal with the emotional distress from my mm -hmm. child mm -hmm. because she would cry herself to sleep, um, missing her mom, not understanding. Wow. And so this really uh, uh, it broke my heart. It wow. devastated me. Wow. Um, there was a sense of urgency. Uh, I had amazing friends come behind me. I had people uh, come in support of me. Um, I had a friend from the newspaper, the local newspaper, and uh, they immediately put the article in the newspaper. Uh, it was a front page story and uh, that's where my battle sort of took some traction and started to to move forward. I, mm -hmm. I got into um, a huge battle with the Home Affairs Department um, in order to rectify the mistake mm -hmm. that they had made. Unfortunately, um, the battle, <laughs> the battle, I found myself in this battle um, and I found myself against this big organization and I almost felt like this single person on my own. I didn't have Jesus. I didn't have God to strengthen me. I was just this broken man uh, in, wow. this, in this incredibly difficult struggle to reunite my child with her mom. Now, at this point, have you been in the church before? Have you heard about Jesus? Have you gone to church before? I knew of Jesus. Um, yes, I'd been in church, uh, not a regular attendee. I'd mm -hmm. sort of just been there uh, on the odd occasion. Um, I really didn't have a relationship with God, so wow. I found myself in a, dis in a in a in a in a in a unthinkable position where, mm -hmm. I, where there was no hope. Yeah, uh, I did have, like I said, amazing friends come behind me. Um, we had some friendships uh, that formed on the local radio station. They did stories for me uh, uh, through radio uh, media. We had stories on the front page of the newspapers mm -hmm. and we got a lot of traction and put a lot of pressure on the South African Home Affairs mm -hmm. uh, to which they didn't respond very well. They didn't like the negative press. Wow. And they reached out with threats to me. Um, wow. And, and this turned a little ugly. Um, I had I really had nothing to lose because I was in a situation trying to reunite my child and mm -hmm. I was willing to do whatever I needed to. Yeah, to do. And and so after around close to five months of battling through newspaper articles, radio stories, uh, petitions in the malls, um, finally I had somebody from Home Affairs reach out to me with a solution to mm -hmm. reunite reunite my wife with the baby. Yeah. They granted her a 48-hour pass in South Africa. So they allowed her uh, permission to fly into the, uh, South Africa, pick up her child, and then the following day to be, to be out of South Africa again. Wow. And, what, uh, what kind of a solution is that? It, it was devastating to me. Wow. Um, at the time, I was grateful because at least I'd be able to reunite the baby with mm -hmm. her mom. Mm -hmm. 
But of course, that was my number one focus. I hadn't even thought of what my next step or you know what it looked like for me after that. My number one goal was reuniting my baby with her mother. Mm -hmm. And so I was grateful for the 48-hour pass. I was not ecstatic. I wasn't super happy that this was the solution to all my problems. Mm -hmm. But my biggest problem was I need to reunite the baby with her mom. Mm -hmm. And so this is what we did. Um, we, we, we got baby back with mom. She flew back to Canada, and then my journey really continued. My, my struggle continued. Uh, yeah. From this point now, I was a completely broken man. I was wow. unemployed. Wow. I was emotionally completely wrecked. I couldn't even think about looking for a job in the condition that I was in. Mm -hmm. I cried myself to sleep every night. I wow. self-medicated with alcohol. Wow. I was angry thinking that there is no God because how could God, if there was a God, how can he let this happen? Mm -hmm. I, I had lots of, I had a big, big battle going on inside my heart. Yeah. And uh, this would lead to complete self-isolation, yeah. um, wow. which is what happened. Uh, I eventually had my story so much in the public eye in a small town that I lived that I couldn't leave the house without somebody coming to me and pouring out their sympathy towards me and yeah. asking me about my situation, mm -hmm. which would thrust me back into the this distressed yeah. position of feeling like completely these hopeless. Memories the memories everything. of how happy we were before yeah. my wife was and my child was taken away from me. So mm -hmm. um, I, I completely isolated myself. Uh, uh, I retracted into my bedroom. I was living at my brother's house at the time. Mm -hmm. I never left the house any longer. I just stayed in my misery uh, and, and I just did not want to live anymore because mm -hmm. um, I just couldn't imagine a life without my wife and my child. You know, and I couldn't believe that anybody would allow for this to happen. Yeah. And it was around the 10-month mark mm -hmm. where my brother came and knocked at my bedroom door. He knocked on the door and said to me, there's a, there's a man here that would like to speak to you. Mm -hmm. Now, just to give you some context, um, we, my brother's house was on the outskirts of town. We lived on a street with approximately 10 houses. Wow. In the middle of nowhere, um, our closest neighbor was at least a 20-minute drive uh, mm -hmm. uh, towards town. Mm -hmm. And so I wondered, who could this be? That Who's knocking at my... Like I told my brother, I'm not interested. I don't want to speak to anyone. And uh, to which he told me, this man, I think, is a, is a preacher or a pastor of some sort. And he, he really wants to speak to you uh, about praying for your situation. Wow. And... I decided right there and then, I said, God, if you are real, mm -hmm. if you are really real, you'll show yourself to me. Yeah. I'm going to let this guy come inside mm -hmm. and I'm going to listen to what he says. I'm going to put God to the ultimate test mm -hmm. that I've been through hell and back mm -hmm. here. I've been separated now for almost 10 months wow. from my wife and my child and I've got nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And... I'm ready to just die if I can't be with my family. So I'm going to give God this last chance. If you are real, this man, whoever he is, let, you know, let's see if you can fix my situation. Mm -hmm. So I didn't pray sort of, uh, I didn't get on my knees and pray this, yeah. but that's what I was thinking in, in my in heart, heart, in yeah. my spirit. Yeah, like something yeah. speaking to you, whispering Absolutely. to you. Mm -hmm. 
we all, we, by the way, most of us and most of the people, that's how we reason and that's how we pray and we challenge God without verbally speaking it. Yes. So I'm so excited as you're sharing this because um, there are so many people right now watching. If you're just, uh, you know, uh, tuning in right now, I just want to bring you up to speed. Uh, uh, you are watching Unstoppable Faith, uh, and I have a great man of God, uh, 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 Sean Jones. He's, he's, he's sharing on the testimony of how he gave the, uh, his life to the Lord. We're going to do a two-part series, but I wanted him to begin from uh, right when he had his life behind the walls. Mm. He couldn't move forward. He's self-isolated uh, everything is not working and many times we come to that cross where nothing is moving in our lives and we don't know what to do and in this case Sean didn't uh, know God uh, 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 he didn't have a personal relationship mm. with God he had heard about God uh, and uh, now we come to a place where He's separated with his wife, his, his daughter, he's separated with his, with his um, child, sorry. And then uh, now a man of God asked to come in the house to pray with him. Mm. And he has some reasoning in within challenging God. God, uh, uh, if you are real, yes. show yourself. And that's where we go from here now. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at kazumbacharles.com and share your testimony.